You're listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break, episode 113. Hey, I hope you're doing well. Things have been so busy for us around our studio and we're actually, we just bought a new headquarters. So we're actually renovating and creating a new space, which is going to be really cool, especially for my Melbourne photographer friends. And if anyone ever comes and visits, they can come and check out the headquarters and we can do in-person coaching, in-person workshops, all that cool stuff. Hey, but today I actually jumped on a call with four different people inside the Six Figure Business Map to do some coaching with them. I wanted to pull back the blinds again and bring you guys these coaching calls because I know it brings you so much value and you guys have been loving these episodes. So I thought, why not? Everyone usually has the same problems. They're going through the same things when they're scaling up a business. So why not bring you the exact things that these guys are dealing with right now and seeing them pushing themselves to another level. So we have Silda. She's from Queensland, Australia. She's actually moving to Melbourne very soon. She quit her job 12 months ago to go full-time as a wedding photographer. So she talks about her last 12 months as a wedding photographer, you know, and how that was with COVID and everything else. Overcoming a negative mindset and becoming more confident and moving her business interstate, which so many people are always moving around and it can be daunting, can be hard, especially when you're established in one area, in one market, and all of a sudden you need to move across the country. So that one's a really good one. Then we have Nick from Melbourne, Australia. He knows photography so well, but just didn't know the business side of things. So we dive into that. And this interview really is, well, this coaching call really is all about finding your ideal client. You know, so many of us, we create a client avatar and we overthink it and we don't know where our clients are, where our perfect ideal clients are. So in this coaching call, I hope this helps you as much as it helped Nick on overcoming that fear and finding your ideal clients. Then we have Naomi. Naomi is, I don't want to say she's one of my favorites because everyone's my favorite, but she definitely is one of my favorites. She actually came to one of my in-person workshops before lockdown and she's inside the Six Figure Business Map. She's from Sydney. She is incredible. So much energy. I absolutely just love Naomi and I love working with her, her goals, her business, you know, everything else. And um, we talk about my why, right? So we talk about her why. I think a lot of educators, we talk about, um, you always hear people say like, you got to know your why. So I dive into it a little bit, give you some practical tips. And um, yeah, we talk about the why. Then we have Kitty. She is actually originally from the UK, but she's in Perth, Australia, and um, she's starting a second business. So I know a lot of my listeners are always like, Jai, I want to start a side hustle. I want to start a second full-time biz. I know you've got like 20 of them. How do you do it? How do you find the time? You know, when's the right time to do it? So this one's very interesting. Kitty is always just an incredible person inside the business map. She's bringing the good attitude, the good energy. And so I love working with her. It's absolutely a delight. So That one is a very good coaching call as well. And I can't wait for you to listen to all those. Don't forget as well, I have my three-day workshop coming up, Pricing with Purpose. Now, I know Pricing with Purpose is such a big topic. So many of us, we, we talk about pricing all the time. We don't understand it or we're leaving money on the table and we know it. And um, I actually asked a few of you guys, like, why do you need to work on your pricing or what are your limiting beliefs? So here's a few people said, I need to keep my prices low so I can book more clients. I'm actually worth the price or am I actually worth the price that I want to charge? 
I'm still a beginner. I don't deserve to charge a high price until I prove myself. I don't want to risk experimenting with my prices as I do have a family to support. Is my work good enough to start charging even more? If I raise my prices, I'll have more people ghosting me. And I don't feel confident negotiating client objections on pricing. So if you have any of those limiting beliefs and you're thinking, hey man, I need help with this. I want you to stop second guessing and comparing yourself and I want you to learn exactly what to charge. Charging isn't rocket science. It isn't a mystery. And um, I know so many of you are struggling with it. So you know what? It doesn't matter if you're making 20,000 a year, 50,000 a year, 500,000 a year. This workshop's going to be for everyone and I know it's going to be for you. So please sign up. It's only $9, seriously, $9 or three days of my time. You can ask me questions. It's all live. It's seriously (laughs) worth its weight in gold. I've also got a 30-day money-back guarantee if you feel like you didn't get your $9 worth or your time investment worth. But seriously, I want to get you results because my six-figure business map is opening up. I want to get you money so you can fund getting 12 months of coaching so you can have the strategies, you can have the inspiration, the motivation. You can have all those things at your fingertips for a full 12 months plus a supportive community. So you can do it with other people that are just like you that are taking this stuff seriously. They're constantly learning. They're constantly uh, uh, reaching their unrealistic goals and inspiring everyone around them. And I want you to be part of it. So make sure that you head over to my website, jialong.co and you sign up to my three-day workshop. There'll be replays as well. So it's live. Please shop live. You're going to learn the most. But if you can't, there's 24-hour access to the replays and my coaching program, the Six Figure Business Maps, opening up at the same time. We're going to drop some amazing bonuses. And you know what? This is the last time that my course is going to be going for this cheap and the price is going to be rising after this as well. So this is the very last time ever that I'm going to open up the course and have it at this price because I want people that are serious and I want you to get in a room with winners. I want you to be in a community of people that are taking it seriously and are committing to their unrealistic goals, to their dreams, to their craft, to their clients, to their business, to their family, to all those things. So get over to my website, jialong.co. And without further ado, let's get into these podcast interviews. Let's do it. Hey, Sulda. So nice to have you here with us today. Hi, Jai. So happy to be here. (laughs) Hey, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners, who you are, where you are and uh, what you do? Yeah, sure. Okay. So my name is Silga and I'm based in sunny Queensland in Gold Coast. And at the moment, I am a full-time wedding photographer. I am an architectural graduate, but I literally left that about a year ago and decided to do this full-time. Wow. So you've been full-time for one year? Pretty much. Yep. So you basically started during COVID lockdown? Yep. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) How have you found the last 12 months? It's been incredible. It went far better than I ever thought it would. To be honest, it was sort of, I started on a whim and I just wanted to explore all my creativity and um, I've always been on and off with photography. So I thought, you know what, the most perfect time is now (laughs) because I've got nothing else to do and I'm stuck at home. So it just started and the next thing you know, it just evolved into what it is now. 
You know what? Like it's so incredible because there's some people that are too scared during lockdown or in times of uncertainty. And then there's other people like yourself that sort of seizes this opportunity and knows that you have more time now. So you might as well do something that you love. But I have noticed there's more photographers, like new photographers that are coming out of this pandemic. And then a lot of people that have been around for a long time couldn't really hang on and sustain. And so they've actually disappeared. So it's been such a big shift in movement for our industry. And I think for a lot of creative industries as well, but it's so good to see that you, you started something when you have this time and you've been, and you've been building ever since. Yeah, pretty much. But no, you're right. Um, there's a key word to it and it's resilience and it's being very adaptable in these kind of situations. And I feel that now because I started in COVID when things clear up, eventually I'll be ready for it. You know, I'll have a whole system in place. Yeah. It really is like that. Like a lot of people don't realize when you build a business, when the times are going good, it's hard to handle when times are tough. But Mm. when you build in the tough times, it's really easy to be resilient in any situation because you're like, Mm. oh, I've been here and I've done this and I know and I understand and I know that it's going going to be okay. So so yeah, I think it's so true. And I think for myself, I've definitely had that a lot because I've been through so many different market cycles and and things to overcome. What has been the biggest thing for you to overcome the last 12 months, like personally for you in your business? 100% have to be my mindset. And I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, but I joined your course in December. So I started in June and I joined your course in December and my biggest change was my mindset. So just becoming a lot more confident in myself and what I offer which then, you know, allowed me to increase my prices. It changed the way that I dealt with my clients. So I I even took myself seriously. So that was my biggest transformation and it leaked into everything else. Man, it's so incredible. Like a lot of people don't realize how much your mindset plays on it, but just hearing you say that it's also your confidence, isn't it? Because Mm -hmm. as your mindset shifts and your confidence boosts and something that you said that was very important is like you actually take yourself seriously. Yeah. And you take your own dreams and goals seriously. Exactly. I I was so done with like doubting myself, second guessing myself. But honestly, another, another thing that helped is faking it till you make it. So just like pretending that I knew what I was doing Mm -hmm. um, and just pushing myself to keep going and to try new things really just changed. And even my opportunities increased, more things were coming to me because I think I was attracting that. That's so incredible. So right now in your business, how can I help you? What are you struggling with? Okay. So at the moment, I'm actually moving into state. So it's a big move. I'm moving to Victoria, to Melbourne. Um, so I'll be <laughs> joining you guys soon. <laughs> Yay. So I'll be moving in a couple of weeks. And basically, I wanted to ask you um, if you have any tips on how I can move my business into state, obviously. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that you want to do straight away. Like one mistake that people make is they move their business when they actually move, but you need to move your business right now before you actually move. And that means like moving even on your Instagram, like where you're located. So you have the new location on Google. So I would quickly change as fast as you can, like where your Google, where when someone Googles your business, where they can actually find it on your website as well. And then all the messaging. So they're the main ones because you want to be able to be found and known for a certain place. And the next thing I'd be doing is really reaching out and finding a new network, like a new community of people. Like you know the community that you want to associate yourself with and where you want to infiltrate. And I think it's important to reach out before you even get down here. 
Mm. Melbourne's very friendly, especially with creatives. Like we love the underdog creative that's going out on their own. They're doing the thing. And like, that's why Melbourne's just full of, you know, creatives and people cruising around doing what they, what they love. And we love helping people. And so if you reach out to vendors, to venues, to other photographers, um, to other creatives, like I think straight away and say, Hey, I'd love to have coffee. I'm moving down. Hey, I'd love to feature your business. I'm putting on my blog and just like little things like that. And I think it goes a long way. So start to create content. Other things is I always introduce myself. So if you have a list of like for instance, like wedding venues that you love down here, I would actually compile a list and I would introduce myself via email before I even move down here and say, I'm moving down soon. I'd love to take you out for a coffee or just to say hi or um, come and visit the venue and things like that. Because you're moving and you're not there yet, it gives a talking point Mm. and it gives you a reason to reach out. And then when you come down, you could directly go straight to the people that responded go out there and visit them and say, Hey, I sent you an email a month ago and I'm here and I just love to check out your venue, like take some photos, put you on my blog, extend that network. And if you just get to work like that, you're going to build a reputation really fast. And I think you're going to get your network pretty far. Um, Other things I would do is to really bring your clients on the journey in terms of like your Instagram and stuff. So allow people to understand like that you're moving, what it's like to be in a new city, that you're meeting new people and bring people on the journey because it's really fun, especially if you've got a lot of Gold Coast photographers or Gold Coast people following you and then they can see you in Melbourne sort of checking out the place. I think really showing it and talking about it a lot is going to change the messaging and it's going to be front and center. And one thing that people forget is like your inner circle, which is all the people that you know, could be your friends, your family, whoever's in your like tight knit of people, they also have inner circles. And so the more that you talk about it just to your inner circle, which is like on your Instagram, the more that they know about it on their inner circle. So when they're talking to someone, they're like, actually, I know someone that just went down to Melbourne. You probably would love her. You should check out her page. And the the word spreads really fast. So too many of us, we think that like, because we don't know anyone in Melbourne, it means like we shouldn't talk about it and we shouldn't talk about it to our followers or to our friends and our family. But really like you will get so many connections down here that come from connections up there. So that's something to really think about. Mm, That was really good. That was really helpful. Thanks, Jack. Having little like meetups and launch parties is really good. One thing I wouldn't wait for is for people to invite you into Melbourne, invite you into groups. Like I would be even like you're inside the business map, like things that I'll do straight away because this business map is your inner circle, right? And so things I'll do straight away is like put an announcement saying, I'm moving down. I would love to have a coffee with whoever wants to have a coffee on this Wednesday or whatever it is. We're going to meet on whatever street. And hey, even if one person comes, like that's a massive win because you're just like extending your network that time a little bit more. And then after a while, hopefully you can meet with like 20 different people, but it's up to you to make that community, if that makes sense. Mm. So you put your foot forward because everyone's just here. It's just sitting here. Like if you invited me out to go have a coffee, like I would probably be be there. You know what I mean? It's just that like no one ever does that. So just mm. make sure that like you're not disturbing or bothering anyone. No one has to say yes but just put it out there and, and show some kindness like that. And I think it goes a long way. Nice. No, that that's really helpful. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is pretty hard to sort of leave everyone behind and all the work and connections that you've had up there like behind. But um, getting into like bulk content is a really good idea 
fall down here as well. And hey, don't stress yourself out with like crazy bold content because remember like when you create something, it can be reused and it can be upcycled and recycled. So you can create like a, for instance, like a blog post and feature some of your favorite venues down here, but you can turn that into a video. So it's like you just basically reading the blog post and then that video can be cut down into a reel and into an IGTV. You could even pull the audio and put it onto a podcast or something. So there's a lot of ways you can make big impacts without doing a lot of work, if that makes sense. And if you did feature five different venues, all those venues most probably will share it on their blog or their Instagram, yeah, um, especially okay. if you're tagging them as well. Yeah. So it means that you're getting in front of people really fast. And yeah. you have a reason to out hustle everyone down here because everyone mm. down here is comfortable. So you need yeah. to use the underdog advantage. Yeah. I like that a lot. Even providing like a giveaway shoot, but like choosing the vendors that I want to work with. So like almost mm. like a mini style shoot and they're getting in contact with them and then just them sharing all my work would make a huge impact in having a lot more followers from Melbourne and getting my name out there. Yeah, that was really good. Yes, I love that a lot. (laughs) Like a giveaway is awesome because it even just shows straight away without even advertising, like everyone that follows you now that's, oh, she's collaborating with people in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it kind of plants the seed. So the more that you produce like events and things like that, the more it's going to help your brand. Yeah, that's so true. Thank you. Hey, but make sure you come get a coffee with me when you move down here. I definitely will. I'm definitely going to meet all you sailors in Melbourne. <laughs> I can't wait. Where can we find you on Instagram? Just so oh, yeah. all my listeners can come over and say hi. Okay, so you can find me on Photography. So Sanat, S-A-N-A-T. Hey, and if you're listening right now and you live in Melbourne and um, you're thinking, hey, I need to extend my network, maybe you can reach out and say hello. And um, yeah, who knows what Yes, what please happen. do. <laughs> thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Jai. Take care. Hey, so we got Nick here. How are you, Nick? Good, Jay. How are you? Really good. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Jay. It's a, it's a privilege. It's a, an honor to be here, mate. Uh, I've, been, I've been longing to do this for a long time. That's awesome. Hey, um, can you introduce yourself for us? And I'd love to know who you are, where you are, and what you do. Absolutely. So my full name is Nikhil Tribhuvan. So I've just made it small and uh, nice and easy, Nick. And that, that's what my brand name is as well. So I'm based in Melbourne for the last 12 years now. So I've been operating out of Melbourne, uh, having my Nick Photography going in since 2011. That's amazing. Man, 2011 is pretty interesting because people inside the business map, there's so many different like people that have just started or they've just gone full-time or someone like yourself that's been doing it for 10 years. So how do you find the business map like jumping in and learning and like evolving after 10 years being in the game and seeing so many trends and so many things come and go? Oh, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Um, there were so many things that I knew the photography side well, but the business side was just alien to me. Um, and the business map actually opened up my mind to so, so many things, client meetings. Um, earlier, I thought, yeah, just meeting them is more than enough um, once. But yeah, uh, the way you've put in right from the first email, till, and it doesn't end ever. So that's just taken my game to the next level. That's and awesome. even small, yeah, even small admin stuff as well. 
not a guy that loves to do that. So, but you've made it so easy. So yeah, absolutely love it. Yeah, man. So it's an interesting game, hey, because like over the years, you have to continue to reinvent yourself. You have to always make sure that your your business is flourishing. And um, especially when things like COVID-19 hit. And I feel like over the last 10 years, you would have seen so many different, diff- not just trends, but like um, different cycles where it's easier or harder to book or, you know, things come and go and things like that. What's been the most challenging thing for you over the last 10 years? So... The cycles, yes. Ten years ago, Facebook, Instagram was not not there. Like um, there was nothing existent. I remember posting on Gumtree when I initially started. Anyone wants a photographer, and then getting on the curve of Facebook, and then knowing that Facebook is dying off and ready to be jumping onto Instagram. It's the same thing now. Reels is so much in, and yeah, I need to start reinventing myself and trying to get in front of the camera. So yeah, that change has been uh, definitely interesting. So earlier, I was a little bit more avoiding to push myself to change. Um, but um, one thing I've realized is the only thing that is constant is change. So change, I better yeah. get with it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm, I'm going to be left behind. So, Hey, um, what are you struggling with right now? And what can I help you with? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thanks. So currently, I am still working towards defining my ideal client. I think I have an idea. Uh, but I, what I'm trying to still figure out is where do they hang out? How do I still uh, get to them? In in the past uh, couple of months, I've had good wins. Like I've seen a transition where my the earlier couples that I used to book were not my ideal couples. But now the last four couples I've booked are my ideal couples. Mm. So I'm just missing that, I would say 10% to just dial it in in thorough way that I know exactly where they are. And I know where to be looking for them. Yeah. So there's so many different ways, man. A lot of it comes down, like a lot of people don't realize it comes down to how much you price yourself. That's a huge one to where people actually hang out and they spend their money. Often I see people that are like too expensive and they're hanging out trying to get cheap creative weddings or they're too cheap and they're trying to get luxury weddings and they don't realize there's a disconnect right there. There's also like where your perfect client is. I don't know who your perfect client is, but sometimes we try and reach too far away from our own audience, our own tribe, our own community. And you see this all the time when we're like, I want to be a destination wedding photographer instead of like, you know, servicing the people that you know. And then it can become really disconnected because you don't know who they are, where they hang out. It's hard to understand how that culture, if if you're traveling overseas or or like where people hang out in that city, where's the trendy spots, like things like that, when you're sort of traveling around like that. So that's one thing. Um, Another thing is like a lot of the times with our perfect client, like attracting our perfect clients, they hang out online, right? Yeah. But it's the messaging that we tell when it comes down to everything. So it depends on who you're trying to attract. So if you're trying to attract someone in a little subculture in Melbourne, um, it's the messaging that you would say in that. And also like a lot of the times people don't realize this, but the way that you throw stones at other services or other photographers, for instance, like if you're more expensive, you can talk about how you don't trust someone that's cheaper, or you talk about how other photographers don't understand our traditions when we're having a three-day wedding or, you know, like whatever it is, however it is sort of thing. And then that's actually making someone for you or against you. And so that can really help. And then people will actually gravitate towards you because they're like, oh, this is exactly the person I was looking for and exactly what I want. So 
I know for myself, I've got it honed in where I know my perfect client is in Melbourne, inner cities. They're generally early 30s. Um, they've got quite a lot of money. They're professional. So I know they don't really follow wedding photographers. And I know the where they hang out and what they like exactly what they want and exactly what they're after and down to everything. So I meet them there, right? So someone in a city, Melbourne, a lot of the times they're vegan. They're very conscious of the environment. A lot of the times they're very trendy. A lot of times they like to go out rather than staying in. And because I know all these little facets, it means I can meet people at where they're at, like with my fashion label or with the events that we hold or with the cafes that I go to or with the restaurants that I eat at or with the bars that I'm seen at or with the people that I hang out with. And things like that, because I know it's like my inner circle and it's the easiest way because I know the language there uh, for me to infiltrate those people. So it's really going to have to come down for you to really hone in on who it is exactly that you're trying to attract, like that perfect person or perfect people. And then just thinking, man, like, honestly, like, do they go out more or do they sit at home and scroll Instagram in the afternoons? Like, that's a good question because if they go out, then maybe you should be out there. But if they scroll Instagram, maybe you should spend your days um, creating content for them to consume and the right content. Do they want entertainment or do they want to be educated? So what's the main problem that they're trying to solve? Like, for instance, a lot of people, like, especially for my clients is they probably don't really want that much education, but they want more entertainment because they don't really watch TV and they don't have time to watch movies. So they get a little fix when they're like looking at the Instagram or something. So it's easy to start creating content around understanding the way that they consume the content. So being in the forefront center of that as well, because it's easy to say like, you need to find your clients like where they are in town and what venues they go to. But it's also like with all the content that people put out there, um, how do you just strike through and like and hit a chord with them? Now, here's a few examples, man. Like I'm a wedding photography coach. So my clients are yourself, like wedding photographers. So I know what content that I can put out there that would absolutely trigger you, that would get you to follow me, that would get you inspired, that would get you entertained. Like for instance, if I wanted to, I could write a post about how expensive cameras are dead and iPhones are in. You should be shooting weddings on iPhones mm-hmm. because I know not only will you hate me, but you also probably share it with a few friends going, look at this guy. Like, I hate this dude. Mm -hmm. And it'd probably go viral if I did something like that. And I know I would own space in someone's head because I said something, right? But on the other side, I could also entertain you because I could, or educate you. And I could have something where I know your pain point is you don't know where your perfect clients are. So I could do a scroll through of like, hey, how five tips on how to find your perfect clients. And so when I think about that, it's easy for me. And so when you're thinking about that, think about what you're like, you need to know your clients that much where if you posted something, would they react to it? Would they love it? Would they hate it? Like, what are they going through right now? Like five tips on structuring out the planning process of your wedding or the five first vendors to book or the five things you should do before you even contact a wedding photographer or, you know, so then you're creating content that you know that they're like, oh, I could read that every night and I could save it and mm-hmm. I could share it. And also there's humor and, and other things. So creating around that, I think is really important. But yeah, understanding man, like more so than anything else is the messaging, right? I was mentoring a girl in Melbourne and she is, uh, her niche is like the Filipino market in Melbourne. So Filipino community, um, she mm-hmm. is Filipino. And so it was all about like, hey, you can speak their language. Actually, literally, you can speak their language, but you also understand 
all the traditions of weddings and stuff. So instead of trying to change your community to fit with what is trendy at the moment, like bring the trends into the community. And then you're like, whoa, you're blowing the place up. And your messaging is so clear because she understands exactly how to talk to her exact audience. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, definitely makes sense. I, 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 while you've been speaking, while you've been saying, I've been, ideas have just been flying around my head now. So that's that's really awesome. I can, yeah, man. Yeah, you can start I, thinking about things to do. And a lot of this stuff too is like if you can find some people to brainstorm with because Mm -hmm. just like what we're doing right now, you've got an idea and all I'm doing right now, I'm not educating you. I'm just brainstorming with you and I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that you come to the epiphany and the answer yourself because you will Mm -hmm. go like, oh, now I've got the idea of exactly what I need to do because I do know where my clients are. Yeah, yeah. And just to sort of finish off that, I guess that question is also like don't overcomplicate it. Because too many of us, we overcomplicate it and we try and structure like our perfect clients and everything. But man, like the way I look at it is like, if someone's willing to give me money, then they are my perfect clients, right? Like if they're willing to trust me and give me time and they want to come and actually work with me and stuff and we can overcomplicate it, you know, until the cows come home. But at the end of the day, you just need to find people that resonate with your work, which means you just need to get your work in front of more people. You need to get more attention. Agree, agree. No, that, that's that's awesome. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, no. So, <laughs> as you've been saying, I've been I've been already thinking about um, style shoots, and that's something that's on my checklist. And one question I had about style shoots is, how do I approach uh, couples that have um, that have shown interest in you know, like booking me for an engagement or a wedding shoot, but then I don't want to come across like I'm trying to practice in uh, or practice my mm-hmm. art on them. But I, I still want to make them feel special that they're getting a product out of me. Yeah, man. So the way I'd word that is I would say, hey, so I know you guys sent me an inquiry and you know what? I'm updating my portfolio right now and I would love to really take some photos of you guys. And the benefit for you is you can get comfortable to being in front of my camera, but also you can test out the makeup artist. Also, you can buy some new clothes and things like that. So you can sort of get that process into motion and you can see and get some feedback on how you look with the makeup on, how you look in those clothes Mm -hmm. and how you look in those photos and how you pose yourself. So it's really a win-win. And this is not a free thing for me to learn how to shoot. This is me like wanting to attract more clients just like yourself that are just amazing. So I can have it on my website and on my portfolio and things like that. And I think this is an all round win for all of us. Hey, what do you think? Should we do it? <laughs> Definitely. Nice, nice. That's, yeah. Oh, wow. That, that's so cool. That's exactly what has happened. There's one couple, they, they absolutely love my work. They've been following me. And I, I actually want to do a photo shoot with them. Um, but I've just awesome. started getting the the right words and you've probably just nailed it how I'm supposed to be. Like, yeah, if you say. can just point out what they're to gain. Like never tell them mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, it's it's for you to learn or it's for any other reason besides serving them, you know? So yeah. for me, like if you reached out to me, I would be stoked because one, I'm actually looking for a photographer because I, I emailed you, you know what I mean? So that means I'm already like thinking about that kind of stuff. And then two is you just gave me a free pass to see if I like you for for starters. Mm-hmm. If I look good in front of the camera, it's like a free trial. If I look good with the makeup on and everything else. And if I don't, it's like, well, like I missed, you know, I dodged a bullet. So for my mind, I'm like, wow, that's like an amazing opportunity. And I'll probably get some amazing photos that I can use to lead up to the wedding as well, which is really cool. All right. That's great. Thanks, Jay. Yep. Yeah, I think um, 
I'm going to drop them a message tonight. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Do it, man. Message everybody. Um, when I first started, like I literally, I did so many styled shoots with all my clients, my past clients, my future clients, just everybody. And I would give them whatever I could. Like if they were past clients, I'd give them a free album or something like that. Um, getting the dress back up in their clothes. And I think it's the more that you share the love and, and you bring people into your community and you make it fun and really enjoyable. I think it helps your brand and people mm-hmm. talk and I think it's just a win-win to get out and get and get to work, basically. I just have a follow-up question on that, Joe. So you, you know, you always say that over-promise and deliver. So I took that to heart, like so much so, because I was of the other open opinion that under-promise and over-deliver, and I used to do that like religiously. But then you open my mind, like, hold on, nobody knows what I'm promising, so nobody knows what I'm delivering either. So yes. uh, it's no point to that. So what I started doing is adding um, an hour's uh, hour styled shoot, or not styled shoot, but an engagement or pre-wedding shoot in my uh, wedding packages. Is that from uh, over-promising and delivering, or is it a, a sneaky tactic to mm-hmm. get them in? So that I'm finding that, like, is it just I've put that bait yeah. in? All, all you're doing is creating yourself extra work that you have to deliver on. So that's not, that's not over-promising. But, and then you have to deliver on it because it's you just give yourself extra work. And I've got to say this, man, a little disclaimer. Like I don't think anyone should give away free engagement shoots in their packages because you push people away. A wedding day, right, is is about a wedding and it's stressful because you're organizing so much stuff. And when I have to uh, hire, a, like if I want to hire a photographer and they're pushing on like a free shoot to me, like I think that's an old sales tactic that's like really sleazy in my mind. I'm just like, oh man, like I don't want that because people do it because they're like, they want to add more value, you know, and they're mm-hmm. trying to like pull one over people's eyes and show them that it's like, there's more value if you do this, but in all honesty, and then they're trying to educate people saying, yeah, but it's free. If you take it out, it's not actually worth anything. So it's worthless, yeah. which makes mm-hmm. no sense. Right. So you're trying to give something to someone for free. That's worthless. And they don't even want it because they're busy and they're already uncomfortable in front of the camera and they're already self-conscious. Mm-hmm. And now it's like another thing on their plate. So it just makes the whole process too hard. But overpromise, man, is um, that is like meeting with your clients and then having your engagement shoot there. So you got your packages and then you got an engagement shoot and maybe that's a thousand dollars. And then when you're having a chat and you're like, hey, so I think package two would be perfect for you. Like that would work really well. And hey, have you guys thought about an engagement shoot? And they're like, oh, actually, maybe. I'm like, hey, if you have, hey, I'm going to chuck one of those in for you as well. Like, what do you think about that? Like, let's do that. Let's chuck one of those in there for you. And we'll get dressed up. We'll go out somewhere epic. We'll get the makeup done. Like, we'll do the whole thing. We'll go out, take some incredible photos. So you get some photos before the actual wedding day. Like, this is going to be a vibe. Like, let's do that. It's going to be free as well. Like, I'm just going to throw it in. Now you've overpromised because like, I came in to get the package and like, holy moly, you just gave me a whole shoot for free, which in that case means they can choose it yes or choose it no. Because if they said, oh, no, I don't want an engagement shoot, then it's like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. A lot of people don't, you know? And that way, like you're not pushing something onto them. But now you have to deliver on that overpromise because now you have to actually show up for another day and shoot an engagement shoot for free. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Over promising for me is like when someone says like, Hey, Jai, like, can you add on two extra hours? We're going to go a a little bit late. And I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be there for an extra three hours anyway. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm there. And so I'm over promising like that. And then I make sure I'm there for four hours because I'd like deliver, you know, on that extra over promise that I put out there. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I've been on the fence. Like I had it in my packages that I'm going to offer a one hour 
rewriting Photoshop. But then every time I looked at those packages, oh, I just don't feel right about it. So I pulled it out and I said, instead of that, how about I offer a free album and have the have them the opportunity of getting something tangible where they don't have to do anything. Um, oh, totally, that, that's massive. Yeah. yeah, so that I think yeah, is definitely adding value in the package now and not making me feel a little bit weird about what my packages uh, look like. Sorry, I've got another question about this. So multiple minds, I've heard about this so many uh, times from everyone. Do you display pricing on your website or do you not display pricing on your website? Um, I personally don't because it's a service-based business. And if you jumped on like an architect's business, like you won't find it. If you jump on a lawyer's, you won't find it. If you won't jump on any other service anywhere, you won't find it. And so there's a reason for that though, because it means that you can have a conversation with them. So it's like means they can reach out to you. And that means you can, you know, start over delivering on that first email and create an experience for them. So personally, in my experience, like I don't have my prices there on my website, but I'm not against it either because we do change the way that we use, you know, websites and the internet and everything and the way that we interact and how we want information and stuff. So it's not wrong to have it on your website and to make it easy for people because people could book and you could just have book me buttons. It's just the general rule with service-based businesses is that because it's a higher ticket offer, it's called, which means it's like worth multiple thousands of dollars. People don't generally just press checkout on multiple thousands of dollars without actually talking to the expert first and getting some expert advice on what it is that they actually need. Because if I was just seen a few of your packages there, I don't. I, it's hard for me to come to the conclusion of which one is actually right for me until I actually talk to you as the expert and you advise me on what I actually need. Because man, at the end of the day, I actually I want to be upsold as well. You know, I'm having an amazing wedding. Yeah. I don't want you just to say like, oh yeah, that's the right package. Like I want you to give me the extras. Like what else is there? You know what I mean? Like what am I missing out on? Like that's why I want to email you and just get your honest opinion. And so I think it's really important because too many of us think, you know, we're insecure about a pricing because it's too expensive and, and whatever. But most of the time is people just want to go shopping and they want to be served. You know what I mean? Okay. No, that's great. Thanks. Yeah. I've been on the fence on that. So yeah, I'm mind. Hey, if you put it on your website, I want you to let us know in the business map how you go so we can um, have a real case study, you know, how it actually goes. And if you're booking people straight away and stuff, because yeah, I believe you can definitely do it, especially if you have a chat box on your site as well. So you can walk people through the process if they, if they get stuck or if they need recommendations or anything like that, like you're right there with them. Yeah. I, I currently do have my pricing on my website and uh, my whole thought process was, okay, people who uh, looking in this price range will contact me and I'm, I'm just not going to waste time with people who can't afford this price range. So that was my whole thought process, but probably that's definitely a, something that I need to revisit and um, look at how I, I cater to even those people who can't afford uh, and upsell them. Awesome, man. Hey, where can we find you on the Instagram so we can say hi? Nick Photography, uh, without a C, N-I-K, Photography. That's as easy as it is. And can we come over and say hi and jump in your DM? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Um, send me, send me videos, send me photos, a few more points if you send me funny um, gifts and all that. And, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, love it. Love it, man. Thank you so much for jumping on the show, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jay. Thank you so much.
I've got Naomi with us. She's been in the business map for a little while now, and hopefully I can help her solve a few problems and a few questions that she has. Naomi, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I'm Naomi, obviously, and I am based in Sydney. Um, I'm a wedding photographer. I've been doing this for about a year now, um, and it's been a really fun year. So, yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Hey, um, what can I help you with today to take your business to another level, or where are you getting stuck? Okay, so there's a few things. One of those things is, I guess, just general motivation and finding my why. So um, as part of your business map and also a couple of other courses I've done, um, they really emphasize finding your why so that, you know, when you start to lose motivation and things like that, you kind of go back to it and you can pick things back up. But so far, I've found that my why's haven't given me enough motivation to, you know, (laughs) just keep going with things sometimes and I guess I'm wondering is that maybe because the stakes aren't too high like aren't high enough sometimes or do I just need to really kind of dig deep and figure out what it is that well what is your why right now do you do you have something at the moment it's that I don't see myself doing anything else that I enjoy Aside from this, um, I have no other backup plan, no other job that I can think of doing. So your why might be like going in a little bit deeper. And this is a good question because a lot of people say like, you know your why, but they don't say, they don't give you any work, practical tips on it. But going a little bit deeper, does that mean like you feel like you're getting more independence and that you're feeling like you're empowered with creating your own career, making your own choices, Mm. creating your own income, proving to people that you can do it. Like, so with what you said, do those things kind of more in line with like your actual deeper why who went down another level? Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of it is to do with like previous jobs that I've had, even if I enjoyed them for a little bit, I just could never see myself doing them in the long run or I would get burnt out real quick. So there's definitely some motivation in knowing that I can create my own work and work on my own terms instead of having to work for other people and go by their rules and that sort of thing. And definitely the creative aspect as well. Yeah. yeah, that's helpful too, yeah. Well, well, you're right though, because like that doesn't really, especially if you're not moving away from something. So a lot of people have a why and one of the biggest, strongest whys is always like, why are you moving away from something? Which mm-hmm. is always like the biggest thing, right? So for me, it's like, I don't want to be going back to like having no money or living paycheck to paycheck or I don't want to go back to living in like housing commission and like doing things like that. So my why mm-hmm. is like very, very strong and I know what yeah. I don't want. Also, like my why, like on my personal level is like to help my family. It's like, I want to show my brothers and sisters what's possible. I want to show my friends what's possible. Mm. I want to be able to show my mom that like we can do more and we can be more and all those type of things. So in the back of my mind, like that's my down deep why that really helps me. And then as I go up a level, it's like I can create opportunities for people around me. I can actually share my knowledge with people that's going to help them get to another level. And I know that's a deep why as well. So those things sort of Mm. get me up in the morning. But we can also create our own whys. We can manufacture our own whys, right? Especially Mm. until you start working out exactly what it is. But when I talk about unrealistic goals, I talk about unrealistic goals because what it does is it does create more of a why. If you have an unrealistic goal and it's like, man, I want to, and it might be more surface level, but it's like, 
I want to not only go full-time, but also retire my partner. And we're both going to go full-time in the next 12 months. And then you've got like this why of like, okay, so we're going to have freedom, you know, and mm-hmm. we're going to be able to be yeah. independent. So I want that so bad that I'm waking up before the alarm goes off, before the sun gets up, you know, I'm waking up and I'm going after it relentlessly. When someone says no, I'm ready to push back with a yes. And I think it gives you so much more determination. So for yourself, like a lot of the times, it just feels like why, it just feels like work. If you've got a very like why that you don't understand or goals that are not pushing you hard enough, because then it's just like, well, my why is to get up and edit a video or edit a photo today. That's kind of very uneventful. And then my why is like to shoot a wedding on the weekend. It's like, meh, it's Mm. fun because it's the projects that you do and it's what you get to live, but it's not really something that's going to get you out of bed because it is just work. Does that make sense? hundred percent. That's exactly how it feels these days, um, sadly. (laughs) Um, Because yeah, I haven't been going back to my why enough, I suppose, or really digging deep. So yeah, whenever so, so you I do like, photography, yeah. yeah, and videography. So I do only photography at the moment. Um, yeah. I actually work for another wedding photography company, which has been yeah. amazing because I've shot over fifty weddings in the past year, and it's my first year ever. So that's yeah. amazing opportunities. But I would prefer to go full time with my own wedding photography business. Yeah, so there's so a big, there's a big towards, strong yeah. why and a big unrealistic goal right there. It's like, yeah. man, I want to be independent. I want to show people I can do this. I want to show myself that I can do this, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's worth yeah. me not having someone over my head telling me what I have to do and can do and when it's on their terms. It's like I want to live my own dream. And so that, to me, my why is like I'll be getting out of bed and I'll be quitting my job tomorrow to make that happen. Does that make sense? Because <laughs> yeah. then I'm uncomfortable yeah. and then I'm going after it relentlessly. So yeah. I do think like maybe you're playing it a little bit too safe for starters. And two, I think you might be dreaming a little bit too small. And when you dream small, Mm. it's just work because it's like so many people's dreams. It's like, oh, so I want to be full time in a year's time. I'm going to start doing some blog posts this week and I'm going to start doing something else. And because the bigger picture is not compelling enough to make us move, then it's like, well, I don't really want to do extra work. I just worked, you know, I don't want to work after work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah, that's the other thing I was wondering if I was playing it too safe as well. Yeah, playing it too safe. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look, there's there's also like, well, there's also bigger things, right? Like if you're a photographer, like why do you take these photos? Why is weddings like important to you? And why Mm. do you matter? Like why would someone choose you over anybody else? You know? So for Mm. me, like I believe that I'm going to bring the best job possible. And I love to be able to connect and communicate with different people to show their story, to create heirlooms for them, for their kids, for their grandkids. Cause you know, something that I didn't have when I was growing up. So for me, it's like telling that deeper story and creating a little bit of happiness through something and creating something that's actually tangible but invaluable to Mm. them and to their family, to their grandkids, to generations. And I think wedding photography for me, that gives me the spark of wanting to go after it all the time. Getting up out of bed, shooting two weddings on the weekend, three weddings on the weekend. When everyone else says I'm tired, I'm saying I'm not tired because I'm ready to go after it. You know, I can do this again and I'll do it again tomorrow and I'll do it again. Book me on Monday. No worries. I'll wake up and I'll I'll drink some energy drinks and I'll make it happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And actually, when you mentioned that, when you 
asked why, like, why do you do it and why would people book you? That's actually another thing I keep trying to brush away, that kind of self-doubt. When I do ask myself, Naomi, like, what makes you any different? Why should people book me Um, as opposed to, you know, my other friends or whatever? So, yeah, definitely a bit of uh, hidden self-doubt there that I didn't really realise. Oh, for sure. It's a long process as well. And a lot of the times, just to go into some more practical stuff, a lot of the times it's going to be coming down to like journaling, coming Mm, down to a lot of brainstorming. I don't know about you, but I have a very close connection with a lot of people in the industry and a lot of people that I work with and I'm brainstorming all the time and just bringing in Mm. other people's perspectives. And I think it's so important to listen to other people and also understand what their why is so you can try and find out exactly what you're trying to achieve And um, if you don't have a strong why, and people do say this, it's going to be really hard to find the success that you want because when a roadblock comes, you won't have the energy and willpower to go over it. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I could just give up and I just go back to the safe job or whatever it is. But when you have that strong why, it's like, it's worth moving over that speed hump for. Like it's worth Mm. going going after it. Totally. Yeah. So I want to see you doing some more journaling. Okie dokie. I've actually got the look what I'm using now. (laughs) (laughs) So great. Alrighty. Well, I guess kind of following on from that question is um, how can I get out of a creative rut? So is it more beneficial to have like passion projects that are irrelevant to my business to kind of generate that creativity or should I focus on combining the two and doing creative projects within the wedding industry? Or should I just look somewhere else altogether and draw inspiration from that? Look, I know a lot of people have different answers for this, but my answer is to get to work because Mm. motivation doesn't come and then you get motivated and work. It gets built by you actually doing the work and then you get motivated. It's It actually comes after. So, so many times we think that the clouds are going to part, we're going to be inspired, we're going to see something amazing, we're going to have a fresh coffee, it's going to be sunshines and a couple of birds are going to go past, we're going to have an epiphany, we're going to create the best work we've ever created. But a lot of the times it's not like that at all. It's like you got in and you got to work and then you got to work even harder and then you created something and you realize that you love this thing and then you realize that you wanted to put more work into it and then you realize there's a whole concept there and then you start getting mm. motivated of like, oh man, I need to be working on this more or I need to pivot it. I need to change it. I need to add people in. I need to subtract something. So I actually think yeah. to get through a creative block you need to actually get in and just start working. And it can be working on anything, like your creative projects, like you're saying, where's more personal projects, getting in, just working for your business. Like if you're not inspired mm-hmm. in your business, I would actually just start working in it. Because what happens okay. is like, imagine on the weekend, if you're not inspired, but you're like, you know what, Joe told me I should just get to work. Then I went out for a drive and I went and met some people in my industry. And then I just met this person that was really cool. And they got a project going on. Then I ended up being on this podcast with Jai, which was really cool. And then something else happened. And then at the end of it, you're like, oh, I can't wait for next weekend. Like I'm going to do yeah. some more things and you'll get the motivation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I was wondering if you would say that because I have heard that before, that motivation doesn't just come from nowhere, but like by actually, yeah, moving yeah. forward and doing stuff. Totally. All right. Awesome. And kind of on that topic as well, how do you manage your energy or focus when you have multiple business ideas? So like sometimes (laughs) I struggle, (laughs) sometimes like my, my creativity goes into thinking up different 
uh, business ideas, not necessarily just focusing on mine. But yeah, I get all these ideas all the time. And I'm always like, okay, should I focus on just establishing one first, just, you know, uh, start up my photography, like wedding photography business, and then look into the other stuff? Or should I see where my heart is more? Or should I give both a shot at the same time? Yeah, how do you manage that? Look, Naomi, the thing is, there is no rules and no one should ever tell you what rules to follow either. And I think as a creative entrepreneur, as yourself, like you did say something that was key there. It's like you want to be running business from the heart. So you don't want it to be another job that you hate, you know? So a lot of the times, and you know myself, like I'm sitting in my car right now, like an idiot talking on a podcast, you know, because there's like noise and stuff going on. But Man, I do the things because I love it. Obviously, like I'm sitting here talking to you for free right now. Like if I didn't love what I was doing, I definitely wouldn't be doing this. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so I think incorporating more projects and and things that you love into your business as well, especially into your core business, is going to help you feel more motivated and push forward. And I think instead of putting yourself in the box, I would actually be working towards building a personal brand. So everything Mm -hmm. caters like instead of going too far away, I'd cater everything towards the same clients and towards the same thing that you're trying to achieve. So if you've got a big goal, for instance, and it's like in 12 months time, I want to be full time, I want to be making six figures and I want to be doing these things, then just ask yourself, like, I've got all these ideas, but will this be bringing or subtracting from my actual goal, Mm, my long-term goal? And hey, I want to start a podcast. Would that be bringing something? I think it would be. Maybe that's a great Mm. idea then. Or, you know, whatever little project that you have going on, all extra business that you want to start. But don't forget, like money flows where your attention goes, right? And so if you Mm, don't have too much money right now, if you start another business, it means you're drawing your attention away from your main business. And a lot of people don't Mm. realize that exact thing works like that. For instance, right now, if I'm talking on my podcast, people are going to listen to it. But next week, if I just tell everyone, I'm on my YouTube, I'm on YouTube, you know, making YouTube videos, I would get a lot less less listens on my podcast and more people on my YouTube because people will go where my attention is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So for you, totally. if you want your attention and if you want to go full-time and if you're going to go full-time for yourself in the next 12 months, I would say absolutely double down on exactly what you're doing. That main goal, put all your attention into it so everyone knows your messaging, they know what you're about. And then mm. once you get established and more confident, then I'd be adding in extra things, extra services, extra projects, extra things on your plate to keep you creatively inspired and motivated. That's really interesting advice because like the new business idea that I have, it's sort of, it's pretty much just a elopement, one-stop shop company sort of thing because I find that I really struggle to self-motivate But when I have a community and when I'm working with other people, I love that. Then I can just keep going. So that's that's why I was thinking of, yeah, branching out and having an elopement company where I can work with other creatives in the field, other photographers, so that I don't have that subconscious sense of competition there. And so, yeah, just figuring out whether to, to stick to my own or pivot in that direction and bring, you know, the clients that I have built good rapport with sort of into that as well. So yeah, I, I like what you said about the the whole attention thing and figuring out what the biggest goals are. So yeah. It's easy I'm to get like sidetracked on so many different things, but the more that mm-hmm. you put that attention into one thing, and I know for myself, like I've got to take my own advice for sure because it's um 
like I do so many things all the time and it mm. works for me now because I've got a tolerance because I've done it for, yeah. you know, 10, 15 years. And I just know that with my ADHD, I don't, I've got too much energy for one business. Like me running a wedding photography business was like just so small time for me because I was like, man, mm. this is just so easy. What do I yeah. do now for the rest of the, like I can run my business in half a day a week. And I was like, what do I do now? So because I'm like yeah. very efficient like that, but I also, I'm like working overtime all the time. I know that mm. for me to be creatively fulfilled is like, I need to add more things onto my plate. I need to keep pushing myself, proving what I can do and pushing my own boundaries, you know, surprising myself. Yeah. And I think that to me is the beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. I do have one last question actually. And one more question. Let's a, do it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a sad question, but how can I get out of the habit of passively using social media? So like aimlessly scrolling, mm. um, you know, just stalking other photographers and not actually engaging properly and start being more intentional with it. So basically combating social media addiction, because I feel like that's something a lot of us uh, fall yeah. into. Like we're always like, oh yeah, I'm on social media because it's my job. But then how much of that time do we actually use doing our job? Well, this is a really good question. I wish more people asked me this because people mm. don't even realize, right? So I put people, yeah. like we, we put ourselves in the two categories. We have the producers and we have the consumers. Yeah. And so I believe too many of us are the consumers and not enough of us are the producers. And a lot mm. of the times I talk to people and they say to me, Jai, I don't have time to post a reel on Instagram or make a YouTube video or to do something. And I'm like, how many reels did you watch today? Well, I watched 30,000 of them. And then they don't realize that they're a consumer. So they're actually hardwired to sit there and actually watch where mm. other people produces. And sometimes it's... um we're actually born that way. So for myself, yeah. I'm more born that way. So when I see something, I don't just watch it. I'm like, oh, I could do something like that. And it inspires mm. me to go ahead and do something. But what I do, and I do a few different tricks. One is I unfollow everyone that takes my attention. So if yeah. someone's just producing all the time, like myself, I'd probably unfollow myself because I'm like, man, just too much, dude. I just don't have enough bandwidth yeah. for all the posts that you do, right? So that's number one, because a, a real producer is going to be posting multiple times a day on different platforms because they're just mm. using the same time that someone else scrolls. People don't realize we, we have the same amount of time, but I have more social media content because I'm producing the same time instead of scrolling. So people don't yeah. usually see me just sitting there scrolling. So when mm. I do start catching myself scrolling, then I'm like, oh, I could be using this time to create. Yeah. And so that's how I always stop myself. I'm like... I can't use myself as an excuse to um, that I don't have enough time to create if I'm just sitting here consuming. And the only mm. time I allow myself to consume is when I've already posted and I've already created. So like in the afternoon yeah. when I'm all done and I'm like, I just want to relax. I want to check out social media, see what my friends are doing. I know I've done my mm. part. And so I no longer have the excuse that I didn't have time and I didn't have the resources, didn't have the energy to create something yeah. today for social media. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. That's actually something I really noticed about you because you're always posting, but you still always have time to reply to people's comments, like have conversations on DMs. Yeah. Um, so how how does that happen something. though? Can I, can I ask you this? Yeah. Like think about yeah. this for a moment. I'm a producer. So when you're leaving comments, you're leaving it on my account. And so I'm talking back to you on my account, which means I never leave my account. You know yeah. what I mean? So whilst everyone else is leaving their account, I'm sitting there posting stories. Someone's commenting. I reply. Someone's in my DMs. Yeah. I'm replying. And so I'm constantly mm. producing. 
Like, does that make mm-hmm. sense? And so yeah, for yourself, yeah, like you need yeah. to be keeping in your own lane, producing as much content as you can, creating it impactful and allow people to come to you. So you're always mm-hmm. producing. Yeah. So I guess it's not necessarily a matter then of cutting back on social media, but more so just being more intentional with it, because I think that's um, an opposite reaction we've tried to have to combating the addiction or scrolling. We're like, okay, I'm going to hop off it instead, instead of, yeah, just being more engaged on it and that. I mean, I, I actually hate when people say stuff like that. I hate when people tell me, Jai, don't spend $4.50 on a coffee because you could save money and one day you'll have a thousand dollars. And I'm like, man, I understand the concept, but I really want my coffee, right? And so when someone tells you yeah. that, just like get off Instagram more, it's like, I understand the concept, but I also want to be on my own Instagram. So mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of telling people to stop <laughs> yeah, doing totally. something, it's like ex- exchanging the habit. So now you're going to think of yourself yeah. consciously. It's like, I'm a producer. I need to, I'm on the scroll. I need to actually snap out of this and think about how can I do a story right now? How can I share something? How can I mm-hmm. brainstorm something? How can I write? A, writing a comment to someone is producing. You're producing some sort yeah. of value. So how can I do that? Mm, 100%. Alrighty. So then I guess on a more practical aspect, mm-hmm. where's a good place for someone to start in changing that habit and start, yeah, changing that energy and like well, putting it I, into, yeah. I guess one thing really to do is start posting way more, even if it's not the mm. best content you've ever posted because- yeah. Totally. Well, the more that you post, the more people are going to come to you and they're going to comment and then you're going to be stuck more on your feed and you're going to notice that you end checking out your own analytics and then comparing with the last thing that you posted because too Mm. many people are comparing with other people, but you need to be comparing with yourself. Like for instance, like when I post a reel these last couple of weeks, I'm not going around looking at everyone else's reels thinking like we need to change everything up. I sit there and look at our reels going like this one is not as good as this one. Let's change it compared to that one. And then mm. you're going to be more inside your own feed and you're going to be able to create so much more. So just a practical thing is literally going to be um, thinking about posting more often. And the second thing is just being awake and going, hey, am I producing right now? Am I bringing value? Am I creating or am I consuming right now? Because a lot of people mm. don't realize too, yeah. we think social media is so amazing. And we're like the older generation used to just sit in front of TV and not do anything. But we just sit there in front of the TV, basically, if you're consuming. It's the same as watching an ad and then watching a TV Mm. show and then, you know, allowing it to consume our life. And it's like, man, get out there and start creating something. Yeah, fully. I love that, especially on not being a perfectionist about things, especially with just getting content out there. Yeah, that's huge. (laughs) Yeah, and no one remembers your last post or the last post from last week or the the week before. So, and all the color grading or the spelling mistake or the (laughs) crappy caption that you came up with, like create something new. So then they never see that. That's what I say, like bury it, make more content, (laughs) give them something to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. All righty. I think that's all the questions I had. Epic. There's one follow-up one from Victoria in the business map, but you can let me okay. know if you just want to, Give it to me. Uh, answer it tomorrow. But she was wondering, with the contact form, how many questions and what kind of questions should you be asking? Because I think she mentioned like not knowing whether to be like to ask too many questions so that they get turned off answering a basic contact form or asking enough questions to get that info to make the whole process easier. And that's, I guess, something that even I'm curious about, like, mm. where do you draw that line between being 
I guess, not coming across as too eager or too clingy with the client, but also showing that, you know, you care about them and you want to know them. I love this question. I know most educators will tell you to have the longest contact form in the world to get all the information (laughs) and to weed people out. But my thing is always the opposite. It's about the clients, not about my business. How can you create Mm. an experience for your clients that's as easy as possible? And for me, it's like, man, I just, if they can send me a DM, that's good enough. Like if you just had just one thing and not even name and email anything that just said, say hi, tell me something, then people can Mm. like even write to you even easier. So I think we put too many barriers up. They are questions that I believe that people absolutely should never ask. Like questions like, what is your budget? A question like that Mm. is from the sales tactic days that we hate from the 80s and the 90s. And people still apply that, which makes Mm. people feel so terrible that they have to talk about pricing something so vulnerable to themselves and personal to someone they don't even know until they even make that relationship. So I believe Mm. they turn people away by doing things like that. I think literally the easier you make it for your clients to get in touch with you, to book your services, to stay excited about what they do, man, leave the little details until afterwards, until you get to know them and and put in that little bit more work. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I agree. Alrighty, there you go, Victoria. There you go, Victoria. Thanks for asking the question. Before um, we go, where can we find oh, you yeah. on social media? Oh, yeah. Everything is just Naomi Zaki Photography at the moment. Uh, I'm on Instagram, not as active on Facebook, but we'll work on that. Awesome. <laughs> and my and website I'll, is the same. I'll put all your details below this in the um, show notes. So, guys, just scroll down, check that out. If you want to say hi to Naomi, mm-hmm. she's one of the most lovely, approachable people in the world, and you need to say hi. Oh, thanks, Jay. I appreciate you. Hey, so we got Kitty here. She's from inside the business map. I've been working with her for a little while. And today we get to talk to her and see how I can help her. So, hey, Kitty, how are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks, Jai. Thanks for having me. So yeah, my name's Kitty. Uh, It's actually my nickname that I use for my photography business, Kitty Loves Love. Uh, So I shoot elopements and small weddings here in Perth, Western Australia. I'm originally from the UK. Um, You can probably tell by my accent. So yeah, at the moment, I'm running my photography business alongside my office job that I do four days a week. So I'm pretty busy. My business has grown probably quicker than I expected it to. So I think at the moment, time is my biggest enemy, something that I just don't have enough of. Uh, And then also to throw into the mix, I've actually just started a new business with my business partner, Charlotte, and we're going to be opening a wedding ceremony venue here in Perth. Wow. So yeah, it's all systems go at the moment. Very, very busy. So yeah, just trying to juggle so many different things at the moment to get everything off the ground and do it the way that we want to do it. I'm a bit of a perfectionist and a bit of a control freak. So I I don't like to rush things. I like to do them properly. So yeah, for me, like finding the time to do everything right and do it the way that I want to do it and get it as close to perfect as I can is probably one of my biggest struggles at the moment. So yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is obviously, you know, you juggle several different businesses and that's something that I'm going to be doing. So I think, yeah, I'm just looking for any advice that you have about how to manage multiple businesses, how to start multiple businesses. I've got one business that's growing 
sort of quicker than I can keep up with. Another one that we're trying to start that if it goes the way we want to, is probably going to grow more quickly than we can keep up with it. The office job will be going soon, which is going to be a huge, a huge achievement and a huge amount of time that I'll get back to be able to invest between the two businesses. So any hot tips, greatly received. Yeah, let's get into it. So if you're going to start more than one business, the first tip that I always say is um, you need to be confident with your first business and your first business needs to be able to be self-reliant. So it actually, you have the systems in place and everything. So it's actually growing and it's scaling and it can basically run itself because if you don't and you've got like a, a newborn child, it's like having another newborn child and it, and then you've got your plate full because you're trying to grow one business and give life to another business and it can be really overwhelming really fast. So every time I start a new business, I always make sure that I know that I've got more time now because I've got all the systems in place. Those are ready to go. They just, you know, it's not in growing. It's not in in startup phase. It's in growing phase. And I've got help as well. So they're the most important things before starting another business. Because here's one thing. Most people start more businesses because they want more income and they forget that they don't actually run their first business good enough. And that's why they don't have enough income. And so if you have one business that's struggling and failing, and then you try and add on another business, you're just adding on more workload, but probably less impact, which means you're going to make less money for the work that you put in. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Yeah. A lot of us, we try and compensate by like, oh, if I spread myself out and make some more businesses, I'm going to make a lot more income. But really, we just lose a lot more time. Yeah. So when you get really comfortable and you're like, okay, I'm ready. I've got more time now to spare and I'm ready to like start scaling up another business. It is very important to, there's one big main thing is there's always growing pains in a business, right? Always growing pains because um, your business grows bigger than what you can sort of handle. Like you said just before, but what you want to do is you want to make sure that you are best setting up your business for those growing pains before they hit. And what I mean by that, A lot of the times we don't want to invest into things that cost us money at the start, which could be a client management system, could be a bookkeeper, could be an accountant, could be all these things. Because when we first start, we got no money in the business. But it's important to build the business to the size that you want it to be from the very, very start. So if you wanted a six-figure business, you need to put all the things in place now so you're not trying to catch up later. Yeah, Because when you get really busy, you're like, oh man, I'm glad that all the time that I had when it was so much slower and we're just starting. I actually put it into the systems and, and hiring the right people and putting the right people in place, getting the right help. Because now I can actually scale this business up and we can handle the bigger workload. Also, if you don't set up your business like that, it won't get to the bigger workload because you're always going to be putting out fires in the smaller workload. But if you set yourself up and say, I want an, another second six-figure business, you've got to set it up from day one and start acting like it's a six-figure business. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. It does. I think we're... Um, so the reason behind setting up this second business is because I've seen like a huge opportunity here in Perth for uh, couples that want to have small ceremonies, whether they want a city elopement or a small ceremony or don't necessarily want to have their ceremony in front of their 100 guests because it's very personal and they're very nervous about saying their vows in front of people, uh, Mm. which is the reason we came up with Rebel Rebel Wedding Chapel. And I know on one of our group calls a couple of months ago, I think, yeah, it was literally a couple of months ago, I was sort of floating the idea and then obviously just channeled some Jai Long energy and just went for it. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Um, So, yeah, it's all happened very quickly. But I think for me, I really enjoy shooting short coverage weddings. I love a four-hour wedding. 
that for me is like perfection. And I really want to show couples that they can still have a really awesome wedding without the big fanfare. They can, you know, the, the registry office weddings that I shoot at the moment are amazing. But I think people look at the registry office part of it is the legal bit that they just have to do. It's like, you know, there's no excitement about the ceremony. There's no fun. The registry office is a blank canvas, but you don't have time to actually go in there and make it look cool. So we really want a space where couples can actually have an epic ceremony without having Mm. to hire a venue and pay $10,000 to style it because it's already styled for them. So the aim is to work with the same couples that I'm working with now but give them a different option for their ceremony, to make their ceremony like the standout part of the day. And then they can go on and have their big wedding reception afterwards if that's what they want. They can just elope with two guests to witness. They can have 10 of their closest friends and family and go for a beautiful dinner afterwards. So I think it's it's all about tying the photography business in with the ceremony venue. Yeah, so trying to run the two of them alongside each other. And I think they'll both feed into each other. Like my, um, the photography clients that I work with at the moment, I've told pretty much all of them about it and they've all either said I wish it was open when we were getting married or like can we move our date so that we can actually have our ceremony there so I I, like I can see that there's definitely a need for it and a desire for it and then also you know the clients that come to us for the wedding ceremony venue I can you know we're going to package up my photography services and look at working with celebrants and other wedding vendors and provide provide a service so they don't have to go to all of these different vendors themselves. We can do it all for them. They know what we're about. Charlotte and I are both very passionate about the space being completely inclusive, welcoming every type of couples. Like I myself am in a same-sex relationship. I know the wedding industry in Perth pretty well, so I wouldn't have any qualms going to a venue and feeling nervous about saying that I was in a same-sex relationship, but a lot of couples do. And I've seen with, you know, I've worked with some same-sex couples and they, and I've had their run sheet from the venue and it says bride name, groom name. And this is a confirmed couple that have paid so much money. And I'm like, there's two grooms. Like that to me is not acceptable. And like all of those small hurdles that same-sex couples have to go through, just those tiny things that the, the majority of people wouldn't even think about if they saw bride name groom name but for a lot of couples that is you know a bit of a you know it's just one of the many everyday things that they have to deal with and you know we I think I also see a lot of photographers and vendors you know they share images of their ideal clients and their ideal clients all look very similar you know they're all you know magazine worthy and they all look a certain way and they've got this huge beautiful wedding and everybody looks perfect. And I think that's not necessarily representative of everyone that's actually getting married. So we, you know, we really want to like shout from the rooftops that everyone is welcome here. Doesn't matter what you look like or what your relationship looks like or how your wedding, what your wedding looks like, everyone is welcome, which is something I try to do with my photography business. That's really important to me. And I've, you know, I've had feedback from couples when they inquire. Our lovely friend Ashley uh, did my websites uh, for me and she put a question in there about, um, it said, what do you like about my photography? Which was something that I didn't really think that I needed to ask, but it's actually one of my favourite questions. And the answers that I get are all very similar. You know, people always say, 
your couples all look really genuine. You can see their personalities. Like we love that you share all different types of couples. So that's something that we want to share with our little venue as well. Kitty, I've got to say like congratulations (laughs) on so many different levels, but like one thing is it's a winning formula what you're doing because what you're doing is you're not creating a new business and trying to find a new audience is you're trying to solve your current audience's problems. And I think that's really important to know. And it's something that I do as well across all my brands. Like all my brands sell to basically the same audience all the time. And I think it's important to know that I'm always trying to solve problems for the same people that I know and understand just like you know and understand the people that you serve. So it really is a winning formula what you're doing. And I think you're going in the right direction. You're doing it the right way. And any just like practical advice from the very start, like you talked a lot about messaging, which is one of the most important things, like putting out the message, your why, why you're talking about it. And then just scaling it back to practical stuff, like especially because it's a venue, just getting your workflow in place from the very start. So you're not hustling both venues before you even get into messaging and advertising and stuff like that. But have that booking system down, have a welcome goal guide, have like all the things that you can have. So it's automated as much as it can be. So you're creating an amazing experience for your clients that you have now, but also amazing experience for yourself, your business partners, your staff, your employees, and everybody else as well. And I think that's going to be really key, especially because I believe your business is going to do very well. And I want you to be prepared at the start. And so like, if you believe in this, like, go all in, right? I always yeah. say that. Like if you believe it, it's, if you don't believe in it, it's not worth doing. But if you believe yeah. in this, like go all in and actually believe in yourself and um, get those things done from the start and then go out there and start spreading that message everywhere, anywhere. It's so important. And make sure you literally spreading the message. So get into the blogs and talk about why you're doing it. Like exactly what you told me. I want to hear and read that everywhere. Yeah, I think Charlotte and I have both said we don't want to be a faceless venue that people book. We want people to be booking the venue, partly because it looks amazing, but partly because of us and the service that we provide and the client experience and, you know, just everything that we can do for them. We want them to sort of like buy into us hosting their wedding, not just the space looking cool on Instagram. So at the moment, Charlotte and I both still work part-time, which I'll be giving up Uh, very very soon Mm -hmm. but at the moment we are pretty stretched with time so in terms of like what to do ourselves and what to outsource with setting up a new business what would you recommend would be best for us to hang on to ourselves and what should we get somebody else to do it it all starts off with obviously how much money you have you want to start off doing everything yourself yeah and whenever you do anything you want to document what you do right so for instance if you're just the booking system. Like you're trying to book someone in, you're sending out an email, download something like Loom. So if you mm-hmm. go to Loom, you can actually record yourself doing it. So then um, when Charlotte jumps on, she can see exactly what you've done. And then when you hire a VA or someone at the desk or something, then they can see what you've both done. And so when you create things like that, it's called an asset. So now when someone comes and leaves, the information goes or you have to always spend so much time retraining people. But the more that you create systems for every single little thing, because after a while, I'll tell you, your job's going to be the face of the thing to market it, to um, welcome people in, to have a good time. And it's not going to be the behind the scenes running the thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be an important thing to know where your place is. So 
from the very start, I want you to make sure that you're thinking about the client experience, the workflow and everything and how you're doing it all now because you want to understand. You always want to do it first yourself because you want to understand how that works with your clients and does this actually work and is there a better way? And then once you're happy with the system, you want to document that system. And then with Loom, I just have folders. It's like onboarding, offboarding, before the booking, what you need to do. And you just start having folders of like every question that someone might ask, every mm-hmm. how to answer emails, how to do everything basically. So anyone can walk into your business, they can open that up, spend half an hour and they know how to run your whole business. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds good to me much, as well. Um, I'm very much somebody that has everything in my head. I don't document what I do or how I do it. So I would say in my office job, if I got hit by a bus, no one would have a clue how to pick up exactly. my job because... And 99% of people are exactly the same. And that's why that's why you're on a mentoring session with me right now. And that's why I am helping you miss that opportunity of doing that from the very start so you can make more impact, grow that business faster, and in turn make a lot more money as well. Yeah, definitely. Do you I don't know what experience you have with um, like a similar type of business, but obviously we want to once we've finished the refurb and the venue's ready to start taking clients, like we understand that. We're not going to have bookings coming in the weekend after it's ready because people are booking their weddings further in advance. So the aim is to get a load of styled shoots in. Like obviously, I'm a photographer and I've got heaps of wedding industry contacts, so I've, I'm able to host a lot myself. And I'm also going to invite in a lot of my photographer friends in the industry and yes, let them do styled shoots there. Mm-hmm. But is there anything else that we can do to get people booking from day one so that even if we're not hosting their wedding for another three months or six months, we've at least got money coming in to pay our rent from yeah, day so one because and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah because you know we're going to be spending every last cent on this refurb you know yeah. we don't have a huge pot of money to work from so totally. we need to make sure we're booking we're booking couples from day one we've got those deposits coming in Yeah, there's a few things. One thing is I have owned a cafe before and that was actually an event space as well. And I actually did the same Mm. thing. So we renovated the whole thing. So one big thing is you need to go out with a bang and you need to have a launch party. That has to be a must, right? Yeah. Have a media wall, invite all your friends and family, all their friends, all the network, all the community, all your future clients, past clients, and make it as big as you can. And if you're going to spend any money, I'll spend it all on that. And I'll take as many photos as you can, many videos as you can, have as many people with an Instagram following as you can to sort of share those things. And I'll create as much content as you can straight away. So it goes out with a bang. I'd also um, get a videographer in there so you can put it on YouTube straight away. So it's like the newest you know, venue in Perth or wherever you are. And so you've got a YouTube video that's going to rank in Google, make a blog post about it. So you can show that video and have that video on your homepage. So people, before you even have a wedding there, they can see what it all looks like. Yeah. Another thing is you can have a fake wedding at the launch party so you can show everyone how it looks. So get it mm-hmm. in a couple in some wedding dresses and some suits and however they want to dress, right? And get them in there and just have a big celebration. So it just looks like, it's like, this is what it could look like. And this is where we could have music and this is how it all goes and, and actually have that. And then another thing is, I think you should have a big giveaway as well and you should announce it at the party. So a big okay. giveaway is like a big package which is photography and it's a venue for any time in 2021. If you're getting married last minute, if you want to do this, this is the package and it's worth $10,000 or whatever it is but get people to apply for it. So they have to actually email you and say, 
the way they want to win this and how it's going to help them out. So then that way you've got um, connections with as many people as possible that want that, but they're also hot leads that are getting married. So even if they don't win, you can still contact them and say, hey, you didn't win, but hey, um, how can I help you? And how can we make this happen? Because this venue is amazing and you need to be getting married here. Yeah, it's such a good, it's such a good idea. And all these things Love are not going to cost you any money. They're just going to cost you yeah. effort. The only money I would spend is by probably putting on nibblies and drinks at the bar and tell everyone it's an open bar. Like, and buy as many boxes of beers as you can to get everybody as happy as they can be. And then get them out on their iPhones, walking around, making as much content as they can yeah. for you. And um, so you kind of flood the place. Make sure too, when you do things like that, invite Broadsheet, invite Hello May, invite Together Journal, invite any kind of industry people from anywhere, especially in the media, to mm-hmm. come and have an exclusive first look and they can be part of the launch party as well. Okay. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah, it sounds so good. All right. Now all you have to do is go and blow up your business. <laughs> <laughs> so excited survive, for you. I'd learn how to survive on four hours sleep a night. <laughs> exactly. It's if you do this well, like um, people think business takes away your time, but it can give mm. you back so much more time. If yeah. you do this well, and I and I believe you definitely will. You're gonna absolutely kill it, and I'm gonna be here helping you as well. So, get into those group calls and let's make action plans. Awesome. Sounds good. Sounds so good. Thank you so much for jumping on, having a chat, and I hope I helped you out today. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, as always, for your golden nuggets of advice. Yeah, it was awesome to chat with you. Thank you. Where can we find you so we can connect with you? So my Instagram for my photography business is Kitty Loves Love on Instagram. And Instagram for the wedding venue is Rebel Rebel Wedding Chapel on Instagram. There's nothing on there yet, but there'll be lots coming very soon.